Welcome. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the truth of God from the Bible to encourage you in your knowledge of God, as well as your confidence, gratitude, and faithfulness in Him. In this podcast, we will examine the unfortunate reality that our world is engaged in war and answer three important questions. Why is our world engaged in war? Where is God during all of these wars? And how should we respond as a result of these devastating wars? No doubt the realities and details of war is horrible, sad, painful, shocking. I mean, it's hard for me personally to relate as I speak now and think about what people just in the last few weeks have experienced during some of these horrible terrorist and war-related incidents. Our, our world is very engaged in war. Since Hamas rebels invaded Israel and created a conflict and now war over the last two weeks, nearly 5,000 people have been killed. Russia and its leadership ordered the invasion of Ukraine a year and a half ago. And in this war now, it is estimated that 500,000 people have been killed. There are approximately 2 billion people in our world today that live in areas infected or influenced by war or significant conflict of some kind. That's 25% of our world's population. There are over 32 countries engaged in war and significant conflict. Over 100 different conflicts, wars in our world. Seven major wars at this very moment occurring in our world. In the 20th century alone, over 100 million people were killed in wars. In World War I, which lasted four years, 20 million people were killed. World War II, lasting six years, 70 to 80 million people approximately were killed. And these figures do not include those who were injured, tortured, imprisoned, lost, displaced from their homes, displaced from their families or the biological warfare taking place in our planet right now and the gangs and the drug-related deaths that occur on a regular basis. How do we evaluate and understand all this destruction and death that is taking place in our world? Well, quite frankly, it's not possible to completely understand every layer, cause, detail, and reason of war. But we should know this. War is not, as some people consider, some random, unexplainable, freakish spurt of nature. It is far more than that. 
war is intentionally calculated and caused. And to understand war and these conflicts and the destruction and the pain that goes with it, and to have any hope whatsoever, and to respond properly as people, we must look at war through the lens of the Bible, God's word, God's gospel truth, quite frankly. And we must understand the sovereign Lord that governs and runs this entire universe and his eternal work. So in this episode, I will do my best to quickly and hopefully clearly answer three important questions to enlighten or encourage you. Starting with, why is our world so full of wars and destruction? And secondly, where is God in all of this warfare? And thirdly, how should we respond as people in light of all this warfare and conflict and destruction in our world? Well, let's start with, why do wars occur? Why are wars happening right now in our world? Well, for starters, it's because we live in a dark world, because man is darkened in our spiritual death. We are spiritually dead creatures, and we are sinful in our nature until God invades us in his loving grace and changes us. We must understand that this world is predominantly populated by people who are bent towards evil bent towards sin, hatred, and even raging, violent, despicable hostility and terror. This is our nature. Some seemingly a lot worse than others, but this is man's nature. There is no one good in this world, independent of God's grace. Romans 3, verse 10 and following. Paul describes the condition of people before they're saved. We're spiritually dead, Ephesians 2, 1 and following. We're controlled by our sin. We're controlled by the world and its principles and its darkness. And we're controlled by Satan and evil himself. And our nature is radically contrary to God until God comes in. Paul even described that about himself in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, reminding his friend Titus what they were before God's grace came in. We're broken and we're wicked, and we will kill people when necessary in our minds. We justify killing people and taking property, and we want to kill people. Some people are so wicked and caught up in evil that they enjoy killing. It's part of their need. It's a spiritual form of worship for some people who are so twisted up and evil in our world, literally. Paul writes about the evil And the wickedness that will come and grow in our world in his letter to his friend Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and following. He talks about how people in the last days will be arrogant, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, even though they think they are, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, loving evil, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, loving pleasure and self more than God. 
having the appearance of godliness. If you look around our world, all these people looking as if they're really godly and all their religious practices that are not the truth, and some of them using their religion as an excuse to kill. They deny any power of God whatsoever. It's horrible, the condition of our world. And war and conflict and fighting and death is the inevitable result of sin. Even Jesus talks about this himself. Jesus' disciples in Matthew chapter 24 come to him when Jesus and his sovereignty predicts, tells him about the coming destruction that will happen in Jerusalem in 70 AD, 35 years later after he said it. And if you know any, any of the details about the Roman invasion into Jerusalem in 70 AD, it makes some of these wars that are happening now, at least the one in the Middle East, look like Candyland compared to the details and the brutality and gruesomeness of what happened. And his disciples come to him, they go, well, when will this happen? And furthermore, what will be the sign of your coming, your second return and the end of the world? And Jesus tells them this, Matthew 24, verse uh, you know, 6. He says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Don't be shocked by this. This is the condition of the world as it moves further and further in immorality, hatred, For this must take place, but the end is not yet. These things are going to happen and be compounded until the very end before I return. Nation will rise against nation. This has been going on since the beginning of civilization. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines even and earthquakes in various places. All things are but the beginning of the birth pains. These are just indications of my soon arrival. And then even you, Christians, will be delivered up to tribulation and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. A lot of the hatred in the world is just the influence of evil and darkness and hatred against the truth of God. More on that in a moment. And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, which is what is happening. And a lot of these wars are religious in nature by some false teacher indirectly or directly promoting this terroristic death. It's crazy. It's horrible. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. This is what Jesus says will be what our world is like until the very end. It will only increase and compound. The good news is, as Jesus says, is that the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom will, will spread around the ro- uh, world as a testimony, but then the end will come. This is what our world is like. And uh, the, in fact, when you look at mankind who's at the heart of all these conflicts, The wars and the violence and the hatred is just a picture of mankind's condition against God because all of man is at war with God until we're saved, regardless of what our religious thoughts are, our philosophies or whatnot. Every single person is at war against the one and only true God of the Bible, of the universe, Yahweh, the Lord, and we're fighting against him. We're like terrorists against God in our own selfish ways. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.10 that we are enemies of God until we're saved. And again, Ephesians 2 verse 3, our nature is against God. We're rebels against God in our nature. And we're 
under the subjection of God's coming warlike wrath, which, which will be worse than anything this world has ever seen, which is coming more on that in a moment. But our nature is, is at war with God. And not only is our nature at war with God, and we're bent on sin as people, and some are exceedingly violent, but you have the devil who is stirring the pot, and he's a wicked entity. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, 1 John 5, 19. And he demands his bloodshed and death and sacrifice. He is here to wage war against God's people and those who hold to the testimony of truth. He's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says about him. Revelation 12, he's filled with fury. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, he's a real entity. He's a wicked, supernatural, fallen angel kicked out of heaven by God. And he's got a myriad team of demons and false fallen angels working on his behalf and false prophets. And he's going to cause the world to be violent. He hates people. He wants death. There's people that serve him and kill for worship of Satan, literally. That's what a lot of these wars are all about, whether people realize that or not. When you put all this together, and some war is necessary, unfortunately. It's like a necessary evil because when evil attacks and terrorists attack, you've got to strike back and you've got to put it into this evil to eventually create peace and protection for people. And when you put all this together, you're going to get a lot of wars. And that's what we're in. Over 100 wars and conflicts taking place in our world currently. And as the Bible says, according to Jesus, these things will only intensify until the end. The second question is, well, where is God in all of this then? If God is sovereign and he's in control and he's a loving God, where is God? Well, this is sometimes difficult to understand because God is sovereign and God is love, very loving, went to the extremes to give his love and his best to some of humanity, and he's in total control. As the Bible says, all things work according to the purpose and counsel of God's will, everything. There's nothing in human history or history itself or even before time in this entire universe ever that is outside of God's will and control. Every atom, every moment, every person, everything, every event is completely under the sovereign control of God. He has authority, power, and control over everything, even war. God, even war, even the most wicked of sin. He used the most wicked sin in the history of mankind, the assassination and terrorist attacks against his own son to yield the most beautiful results in his plan for mankind and salvation. But even in war, God is sovereign. In fact, as difficult as it is to understand, God himself even induces war. In 586 B.C., He commanded the Babylonian army to come and destroy his people in Israel because of their unfaithfulness. That was horrible. The details were horrible. Before that, the Assyrians, who were savages, and they were violent and brutal, came into Israel to 
punished God's people for their unfaithfulness, and horrible things took place. God is entitled to do this because of the wickedness of man. God will use war even against the wickedness of man. But there's some who are affected very, very deeply, physically, emotionally in war. Where is God? We have to understand that that everything that occurs ultimately is being used by God for his eternal purposes. God is ultimately eternally focused. His mind is ultimately on eternity, and he's working and weaving through everything that takes place. And all the sin and destruction cannot change or alter God's plan. There's not one person who's been killed that God did not already have his sovereign will and plan for. Their eternal destiny was set by God on either way. We have to understand this. But we have to also think about the pain that people are suffering. And God is 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 caring and loving in this. And 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 God is there. And God is a God of all comfort. And God's love is eternal. And God's love is not man, measured or understood by these circumstances in our world. What is happening? This world and its violence is not indicative of God's love, his sovereignty, and his care for his people. And the good news is the day is coming when God will put an end to all of this evil wickedness and the condition of man, Satan, his demons, the false prophets, and everything that causes sin, and he will destroy it. But until then, God is using whatever means necessary to carry out his will. He will even turn mankind over to our sin as some temporary, small little taste of his own judgment. Romans 1 verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Therefore, because of the sin of people, God will give people up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves and their own sin. Some in the war in our world, quite frankly, is just God stepping back and saying, okay, world, you want that much hate? You're that sinful? Well, watch yourselves go. I'll let you go and look what happens. But the end is near. Understand that God will come and he will judge all sin and all those who cause evil in this world eternally. This will happen. The question is, how should we as people respond in light of all this war? Well, clearly the answer depends on who you are and where you are according to how you respond. Let's start with this this group, what about if you are a person in the middle of a war and you're a believer in Christ? What if you're in Israel as a believer in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, or maybe even living in Gaza as a born-again believer in Christ? Or you're in Kiev, Ukraine, and you're, you're, you're underground in some cold tunnel and you're a believer in Christ Jesus, or you're anywhere where there's conflict and, and misery and hate and violence and terror around you, how should you respond? 
Well, again, it's hard for me to understand personally, but respond this way at first. Know this, my friend, brother and sister, that your circumstances are not indicative of God's love and his care for you. As Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming soon. This world and its devastation is not your eternal home. Please do not lose heart. Know that God is in control and that he will come back and he cares for you and his love is on you even when there's hate all around you. Some of the hurt you may be feeling is because you are known by God and you love Christ and people hate that. And this is what the writer of Hebrews was writing about in chapter 10, for example when he was writing his letter to a group of people who had faith in Christ Jesus, but as a result of who they were, the nation they were from, and what they believed, they were, suffer- they were suffering in violence, persecution, imprisonments, and even death. And what the writer encourages them to do and think about in chapter 10, verse 32, is just remember, despite all the pain, the imprisonments, and even death that you may see, Know that you have better possessions in the eternal kingdom of heaven. So therefore, please, my friend, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded by God and his eternal kingdom. Praise the Lord. And until then, the God of all comfort will comfort your heart. Paul writes about this he himself experienced the most dreadful of circumstances, pain and warfare against him personally as any man did other than Christ Jesus. I mean, he went through brutal circumstances because of the gospel. He writes in second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight, that we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction that we experienced in Asia because of our ministry. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. I can only imagine that's what some mothers, fathers, and people feel and individuals feel in this world right now due to some of the war and the terror that is around them. That Paul, even Paul, felt like he was so burdened that he he felt like he had he he was zapped of his strength that he despaired of life itself. He felt like we had he had received the sentence of death, he says. But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God is our refuge and our strength, Psalm 46. He's a very present help in our time of trouble. Therefore, do not fear, though the earth gives way. The Lord of hosts is with you, my friend. The God of Jacob is your, our fortress. God is in control and he will take care and know that he is sovereign and this war will end and he's got it all under control and that you are loved by God and you are loved and being prayed for right now by people, many of whom do not know your name, are praying for God to give you strength. And if possible, please share the love of God, the eternal love of God that required his own bloody sacrifice and death to save your soul, the good news of the gospel to people in need.
What if you are not at war, but you are a believer in Christ? I'm not at war, not physically at least, in the country in which I live. How should we respond? Well, we should pray for people in this world who are suffering in war, believers and unbelievers. We should pray that God would give believers strength and have compassion and give them protection supernaturally, which he promises that he will, his supernatural peace. I do not give peace, Jesus says, like the world. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The supernatural strength, power, even emotionally, and yet in our souls that God gives, we should pray that God would flood this on people. And he would even be merciful on those who are against God and do not know the gospel, that they would hear the gospel and be saved. And we should thank God for the peace, at least physically, that we're experiencing because God is sovereign. Because we could be at war, and maybe we will be in a year or so, but we should thank God for his peace. But know this, don't let the, 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 the peace that you may be feeling nationally wherever you live in this world deceive you into thinking that you're not at war. Because again, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, we are at war with entities stronger than terrorists from Hamas, the devil himself. And his team of demons that rage in the spiritual, in this spiritual dark world and even in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6, verses 10. We should be strong in the Lord and we should do what the Bible says. And we ought to repent. We ought to repent of any of our sin that we have. We ought to repent of our selfishness and our lack of love for people if that exists in your heart. Or your satisfaction and dependency on worldly comforts, if you do that. And we ought to repent for the world's sin, even sin that you may not be responsible for. Just repent to God for how sad our world is. I mean, it is so broken. And some of the brokenness and sin in our world, many people, even Christians, don't even think is sin anymore. And we become numb to some of the atrocities that occur in our world, literally. I mean, just think about this. In six years of World War II, approximately 75 million people were killed. Well, in one year in our world, 75 million unborn human beings are assassinated out of their mother's womb through abortion for various reasons. In one year. That is 200,000 people a day are killed by abortion. And yes, these are human beings that are killed before they have a chance to take their own breath and even understand and see what life is like ripped out of the womb in some terror act that quite frankly is horrible and painful medically proven. 8,000 an hour compared to Six years of World War One, the same number, one year in our world. Just think about that and think about all the reasons and rationales and justifications and medical promotions that make it seem like this is even good for humanity to do. This is nothing more than a scheme of Satan as he wants death and blood and sacrifice. And that's what's behind this whole operation of killing babies out of the womb. You know, there is forgiveness for this. 
I know people that have done this act for various reasons. There's forgiveness from God. But just think about all the people that are promoting it and inviting it and doing it themselves day in, day out and think it's good and want to do it and act like it's some kind of good plan, you know, parenting or something. It's horrible. And we ought to pray for God's mercy on our planet and thank him that he is gracious to save people that kill people and terrorists too. And thank God for his gospel. And we should thank God earnestly for his eternal kingdom that's coming. That's going to wipe out all of this bloodshed, death, destruction, and and violence and hatred that takes place in our world. And we should be very hopeful, even if you're in a place of comfort and you have plenty of assets, our minds should be on the eternal kingdom and not this world. If you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on things above. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not the things of the earth. Paul writes Colossians 3, verse 1, 2, 3, etc. We are citizens of heaven. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3, 20. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring all things under his control will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Praise the Lord. We should be thinking of this, praying for this, and spreading the gospel and hoping that God would have mercy in this world of terror in all kinds of ways. And lastly, if you are in war or you're not in war, and you are not saved by God through the only way of salvation, even if you're a civilian who's lost all of your family, and you don't think you're that bad of a person compared to the terrorist who might be looking at you at a building across the street who's killed a hundred in the last hour, you are at war with God. Please know that your sin and your nature in conflict with God. And there is no way for you to escape this condition. And there is no way for you to be forgiven from this condition, except the one and only way that God himself has provided, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And know this, that if you come to Jesus Christ genuinely in faith, by God's grace opening your eyes and your heart, you will be freed from your enemy status and you will become a friend of God. And more importantly, he's a friend and a father to you. And Christ Jesus will save your soul. But know that God's judgment is coming against those who think they're innocent that are not and the most ragiest terrorists on this planet to destroy evil. God is coming. Psalm 7, verse 11. I say this in love, not in hatred. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man or woman does not repent and turn from your sin and your unrighteousness and rejection of Christ and embrace Christ in true love and salvation, then God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for that person his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. God's wrath and fury is coming. And the only way for you to escape this war of God's wrath and fury against sin, against hatred, and against your guilt 
is to come to the only refuge and the only hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why David writes in Psalm 2, verse 11 and 12, Be warned, O rulers of the earth, be wise. Serve the Lord, Yahweh, the only true God, with fear and trembling. Kiss the Son, S-O-N lest he be angry and you perish in his way. For his wrath is quickly kindled, but blessed are all those who come and take him in refuge. Come to refuge in Christ Jesus. Turn from your sin. God's loving grace will save you and will forgive you even if you're a terrorist that has killed hundreds of thousands of people, literally, That's how big his love and forgiveness is. And don't think if you're not such a person that that person would never deserve that, but you somehow deserve to be forgiven because none of us deserve to be forgiven by God because we're all sinful and we're all some kind of a warlike monger in our sin and hatred towards other people until God's loving grace changes our hearts and makes us into the people that he wants us to be that truly love and care about other people's interests instead of our own. Please come to Jesus Christ. The day of God's war is coming against all evil and death and sin. And this is good news for many. And this is dreadful for some people that do not want to repent and want to trust in their false religion and false God that either convinces them to kill others or convinces them that it doesn't matter. There's many ways to God or that there's no God or many gods when there's only one way. Please come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for his truth. Praise the Lord for his gospel. Praise the Lord for his sovereign control over all things, even the wicked bloodshed that is taking place in this world, because it will not last for too much longer, because Christ Jesus, the judge, is coming soon. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much for listening. Spread the word.